Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 84. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. How are you doing today? Great. Is, are you great just because it's Friday? or It is Friday. It's the first Friday of the month of December, December and 1st. It's, it's the first Friday in a while since we've been in here. Right? It has, yeah. We've been so. off our Friday game. Yeah. Uh, Peter? Yes, we are here in Chernobyl today to discuss an, an interesting topic. I mean, I hope all of the topics that we discuss are interesting, but this one I think is very timely and very, it's particularly noteworthy with all that's been going on recently. And it's not something I've really considered before, but the idea of accidental data breaches where I guess an enterprise is just exposing itself and that sounds bad exposing data user data customer data internal data confidential data uh through no fault other than their own so i guess not involving a hacker not involving a quote-unquote breach it's really just them the organization doing something that they shouldn't have been doing and accidentally uh, putting, making, making information public that they did not intend to. Well, isn't that pretty much every Amazon S3 bucket exposure that we've seen in the last few months? Yes, and that's why it's particularly relevant. Ah, okay. Because, yeah. I mean, I don't want to call, like, I don't think it's right to call this an epidemic, but certainly we've been covering this now quite a bit. This has been going on for months this year. UpGuard, the cybersecurity firm, and uh, in particular, Chris Vickery, again, who I affectionately refer to as the Tavis Orbandy of, of, I guess, accidental AWS exposures. He and his organization have been finding these repeated uh, exposures, accidental exposures. They're not breaches in the classic sense, we don't know if any third parties have accessed the data, but they involve organiz organizations doing something really preventable. And they're just, they're, they're apparently misconfiguring their Amazon S3 storage buckets and setting them to public. And anyone can really find them. Anyone that searches for particular domains on on Amazon can can find them just sitting there. There's no password protection. There's no login re credentials required. There's no access can no access control whatsoever. And uh, this is noteworthy because there was a recent hearing in Congress. The House Committee on Energy and Commerce held a hearing the other day uh, titled. Identity verification in a post-breach world. And there was a lot happening in this hearing, but of particular note was Troy Hunt, security researcher, the proprietor of HaveIBeenPwned.com. Great resource for anyone that hasn't used it. Have you, you, you've used it? I have. Do you want to describe for the people what Have I Been Pwned is? Basically, you go to the website, put in your... If you like, if you wish to sign up, you put in your email, your contact, and 
then every time your email is detected in a breach, have I been pwned, we'll send you an email telling you that your uh, accounts have been included in breached data. And I wonder, I, I, I'm not sure that, it, that it's uh, giving up too much information to say that I've already been notified three times. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry, Peter. That's all right. I mean, we, we all have been, pretty much. I mean, Adobe was one, if I am remembering correctly. Uh, and there have been a couple more recently. I, I, I get the feeling that the, that the, the number of, of notifications will probably uh, accelerate. Because it already had, you know, yeah. the, the first time I, the, the first one I got notified w took a while before the next one. And then it was a shorter time before the one after that. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, if I was a betting person and I was going to make a bet, I'd probably say I'll probably get two or three or two, between two and four notifications yeah, the next year. Yeah, that's too bad. Pwned. Ha, ha, have you, have you uh, signed I up? I haven't signed up for the notification service, but I, mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've checked old email addresses that I know were like tied to LinkedIn or something that, mm -hmm. that got breached. And right, yeah, LinkedIn. So like if I put this old email address in, it just, it says, oh no, dash, pwned, <laughs> exclamation point. It's really, it's, it's great. And it tells you, it, it says, Specifically, you know, your email address is pwned on three breached sites. Uh, oh, so we match, more like, or less. Like, like great. <laughs> great. So, anyway, it's a good service, and he's very knowledgeable. He's got a lot of, of perspective on the InfoSec industry, enterprise security. So, he spoke in this hearing, and... I mean, the, the hearing was very broad. It covered a lot of things, but there's a, a couple things in particular that he really emphasized, and that were th there were point, points that were followed up on by members of the committee. And I'll, I'll start here. So he said in his prepared statement, I'll quote him, he said the following. Especially in recent years, with the growing ubiquity of easily accessible cloud services, Data breaches often take the form of unintentionally exposed data. The ease today with which a, public, a publicly facing service can be provisioned and large volumes of data published to it is unprecedented. It can take mere minutes. Equally unprecedented is the simplicity with which an otherwise secure environment can be exposed to the masses. A single firewall setting or a simple access control change performed in mere seconds is all it takes, end quote. So that was in his prepared statement. And during the hearing, Peter, mm. this was an interesting exchange. And, and you, I, I want to ask you for your thoughts on, on that because I know you watched a little bit of it and, and you, you read through it. During the hearing at one point, uh, a congressman, uh, Morgan Griffith of Virginia, asked, a very simple question. He said, why do these breaches keep happening? He was asking about, um, you know, they, they were asking about all types of breaches, you know, particularly Uber, Equifax. Those are the two big ones recently. And we'll maybe come back to the Uber one. Yahoo. Uh, Yahoo. I mean, there's so many of them. But he said, why do these accidental ones, and I think he was referencing AWS because on 
brought that up at one point. He says, is it really that easy to accidentally share your cloud services with the world? Hun said, yes, it is. <laughs> it's a great exchange. I, I, I encourage everyone to, to actually um, find the, the hearing, the, the, the recorded video for the hearing and, and at least listen to uh, what Hunt has to say, but the whole panel is really, really good, and even some of the questions from Congress are are not bad. He said, "Yes, it is. It's often it's it's very often just a simple uh, misconfiguration." He said, "The differences between an Amazon S3 account requiring credentials to act to to be accessed, or being wide open to the public, is literally one step. It's one configuration that can take just a couple seconds to change." Well, this answers the questions that we've that we've raised probably more than once about how hard it is to configure an S3 bucket to be private or public. Yeah, we've asked here, but so th this seems to be an answer for us that it's not it's not a big it's just one step it's just one maybe one click. It, it's it, yeah it's one setting and I, just to reiterate having looked at this a while back, we obviously did a podcast on these AWS exposures uh, earlier this year, but the AWS documentation is pretty simple. Like it's, it's, it's not cryptic. It's almost deceptively simple, I guess, if you want to uh, term it that way, I guess I just did, but it's, it's not unclear what you, to me, what you're doing. And I think, there's been some speculation that people are maybe misreading it for whatever reason because they think in order to share that data or that domain in AWS, that bucket, they have to set it a certain way that makes it public to everyone. I, I don't know what the answer is. I know I should give a shout out to our, uh, our uh, colleagues at um, Tech Target Security, uh, sorry, Storage Media Group. They're actually looking into this and following up with, um, with UpGuard and trying to get a better sense of like, like what are the mistakes that are being made here? You know, it's hard to tell because a lot of these organizations don't want to say, but this, this has been happening a lot. So, so Peter, what struck you about what Hunt said and, and you know, what was, I, I guess your, your, your takeaway from um, his testimony and his, his discussion about, I guess as it pertains to accidental breaches. Well, first I have to say um, I haven't watched the whole testimony, but, it's I, long. but I did. I did read the uh, the prepared notes, yeah, um, which I think are are really worth reading for anybody. It's it's a very uh, seems to me very fairly straightforward. It's not highly technical. No, um, it talks about what are the challenges, what are the problems, um, why it's such a it's become such a massive problem. I mean he. He really lays out the argument very uh, clearly and and concisely. And as far as what the answers are to how to deal with the problem, I I think we're still we're still figuring that out. And I'm and 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 one thing that c that did kind of strike me though was when you say accidental exposure, mm. um, does that include when you? When by accident you forget to patch your software, um, I, I the one that's the one concern I have about that that, fra that term because, uh, like like sophisticated attack, 
um, when people start talking about sophisticated attacks, we sometimes we sometimes question, well, how sophisticated was it? Was it an injection right. attack that right. we should have we should have eliminated right. 20 years ago, or was it a, a truly sophisticated zero-day attack with multiple zero days? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and a, an accidental exposure, well, one ki- kind of accident is a simple, simply not flipping the switch to say secure or not secure, right. if that's indeed the case. But um, but then it, I, I worry that, that other companies that have been breached and that have 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 data exposures will will jump on that bandwagon and say, "Oh, this is an accidental exposure. It's not a, not a." That's a know. good point. So, so that's that's the only concern I have about about that part. But well, how should we define it then? I mean, Hunt didn't really get into this. He 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 talked about something that I, that it, I think is worth highlighting here. It's. It's in his prepared statement. He said, you know, the very, I'll quote again, quote, the very design of some online services predisposes them to revealing large volumes of data about their subscriber base, particularly in systems intended to make people discoverable, such as social media or dating sites. We've seen many precedents of, uh, precedents of large volumes of publicly accessible information collated in an automated fashion in order to build a rich data set some may be reluctant to even call this a quote-unquote data breach, yet the end result is largely consistent with the previous two examples of malicious intent and unintentionally disclosed data. So I guess if we're talking about like an accidental data breach, don't we have to sort of eliminate all, I, I guess we have to eliminate the malicious actor and basically say, this is the organization itself making it's not it's not misconfiguring a firewall setting and letting an attacker in to get the data it is literally the organization right publishing making it public well so so there's yeah i mean if if you if you provision a cloud service that's that's publicly readable mm. Um, by mistake, and then, you don't want it to be <laughs> right. If if it's, it shouldn't be, and you've done it anyway by mis- you know by mistake or on purpose, but you've done it. Yep. Um, if it if it was truly an error, if it was truly an accident, then you can say, well, that's an accidental breach or, or exposure. But I want to go back to the word accident, and we you know when you say accident, it sort of absolves everybody of responsibility in oh, many cases, yeah, right? Yeah. So. You know, it was an accident that a plane crash, let's say, and this, and and I keep going back. I wish I had uh, I tracked who tweeted this, but somebody, and I keep seeing it retweeted every now and then. The 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 gist of the tweet is, we should treat data breaches the same way we treat airplane crashes, because when when an airplane crashes and and hundreds of people die as a result the FAA comes in they put tape all around the crash sites and they start doing the science on it they study it they see what went wrong what happened I think it's transportation safety board but oh whatever you, you're uh, you're but probably they, right. the F, uh, yeah they're right. involved there's, there's a there, there's a, an official agency that goes in sure. sits down takes you know takes down all the names 
covers all the ground and figures out what caused each quote-unquote accident because often it's a it's a series of missteps or um, or failures you know and smaller failures that usually are are covered over like if you didn't do your your pre-flight check yeah and you didn't check to see that the gas cap was take was was not re- re- replaced on the gas tank or whatever whatever error it might have been that might be a recoverable failure but yep. in conjunction with some other failure that also could have been recoverable on its own those two factors together cause a plane to crash now why am i talking about plane crashes because uh over the last 50 years or so I remember as a child growing up and hearing my parents talk about people who do a lot of traveling for businesses as being doomed to die in plane crashes because they were they were so much more frequent than they are now. Um, the papers would you'd get the paper and it would not be a surprise if there were several crashes in any given year, several major crashes and, yeah. and many many more minor ones. But the efforts of the of the government agency to to improve air safety have come up with a lot of procedures and processes and rules and regulations and requirements on airplane operators so that to the extent that those major crashes that used to happen relatively frequently are so much less frequent now. Yeah. Um, And that's why I think it makes sense when you have Yahoo breach for all of its users' email addresses or um, and whatever other information that they were breached for in that particular case, and on and on and on. Equifax, DP, uh, OPM. Um, we could sit here for a while and talk about. There's it, a, there's many. There's many, but at the end of each one of those, there's nobody coming out and saying this is what happened here and this is what you should never do. Right. And these are these are the rules that govern how this should be done. I think we're we're pretty far away from a time where we can impose a, a regime like that on information security because it's all there, there is no federal there, there are no uh, regulations governing no there's no licensing of software developers no no all of those things would probably be required to happen before you could start doing uh, air safety type that's a great point coverage. I think I think you would have to have some type of Man, that I know we've we've talked about this before, and Bruce Schneier brought this up, uh, brought this up uh, back at RSA, I believe. He he did a talk where he said, you know, the the abuse of IoT devices that were poorly secured offered no sort of security whatsoever, and were being used for DDoS attacks. It kind of led him to to say, I think we're going to we're looking at a a future where you software developers may be required to have actual licenses in order to code stuff because this is going to go bad eventually and and when that happens the government's going to to regulate so um i well go ahead sorry i the the other piece of it is kind of half the name of our of our podcast here repeat i mean the same issues keep coming up and keep being exploited and keep be causing these massive catastrophic and an information security level breaches and and incidents so um, that's the whole point of the of 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 the air air crash safety reviews like yep. after an air crash 
the idea is to get to find out what the problem was and figure out a way to prevent that from happening again we're not doing that with breaches we're just doing the same things over and over and over again and people keep saying well you know i've gotten by so far we'll get by in the future and if if you know what are the odds that it could that we could be breached and exposed? I, I, I gather a lot of people are still saying that um i mean it's You brought up a great point in there. I mean, Hunt said something interesting in his testimony where he talked about, you know, this is a competency issue. You know, the people that are setting these cloud services accidentally to public and exposing all this data, again, an accidental breach, I guess, as termed in the sense that there's no malicious actor. The data is made public. The data is exposed by solely by the organization there's no malicious third party that is it's a competency issue in the sense that whoever was doing this didn't have the requisite knowledge education training and and hunt talked about this in his testimony repeatedly he, he said you know we're, we're out there as an industry trying to teach people how to do this the right way and as long as there are people out there who are empowered to spin up these cloud services that are not taught in the right way, then this stuff is gonna happen. But I wonder, so, so let's say that's true. Let's say that this is generally a competency issue, Peter. Is it, is it time for the cloud providers, is it time for AWS to say, well, I know we make it obvious to us and to most people that that you're going to expose your data if you configure uh, an S3 bucket this way. But should we provide another step? Should we change what we are doing to protect the customer from themselves? Is it time for that? Yes. Really? Sure. What we're doing so far isn't working. Uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, that's true. But the only... the. the we keep saying again and again, we see these big companies that we that we think that we should be able to trust failing. And even for something as simple, I mean, uh, forget about forget about the, the breaches, the, the big breaches by, uh, you know, nation state actors and all that. I'm just talking about S3 exposures that we've seen in the last right. six months or so. Um, these organizations, entities who are putting up this data shouldn't be doing it publicly number one and number two they're doing it because it's so easy to do so clearly the cloud providers have a but shouldn't they be making it e like don't like if you're you're in the business of providing cloud services to enterprises like shouldn't you be like it's in your interest and the interest of the customer to make it easy to, for these things to be spun up and I, and I wonder, to, to, to provide a counterpoint to, to your argument here, if you start changing the way that you're doing business, I'm not, I, look, I'm not worried about Amazon's business. I'm not worried about them providing an extra step and that turning customers off and all of a sudden they go to Azure. But if you, if you intervene on their behalf and you, you start doing these things to protect customers from, from making self-inflicted wounds. 
I mean, aren't you aren't you kind of doing the same thing that Microsoft does when they patch Windows XP? People know they're not supposed to use Windows XP. I I, I mean, they know it. They 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 shouldn't be using it. It's not supported anymore. That's on them. Well, can't, here's a counter counterpoint. Counter 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 counterpoint. So. Let's say that some of these S3 bucket exposures have been due to people getting their interns to set up storage for them or, you know, an instance because it's easy to do and they have an intern and they don't want to be bothered with it themselves and they, you know, they have a lot on their plate so they get the intern to do it. But so so that's that's on the one hand. Yep. Now, on the other hand, do you do that when the plumbing goes out in your business? Do you tell the intern to do it because they they work they helped their dad work on, you know, changing the faucets on their sink twenty years ago? Or do you like when the lights go out? Do you send the intern down to debug the the electricity? No, you call a plumber, a licensed plumber, or a licensed electrician. Now, it's, that's not to say that a lot of the things that those people do could not be done by a non-licensed person. Yep. But it is to say that if you're running a business and you've got liability issues, uh, you're probably not going to want to have the intern adding a new circuit breaker board to your to your to your building or having a, an administrative assistant put in a new sink or or add a stall to the to the bathroom. Sure, things like that. You w you wouldn't even think of doing that, but you would have your administrative assistant or your intern. Or your, um, you know, you name it. Anybody who's not a, a licensed IT practitioner, which is basically all of us, yeah, any of us. Um, but that's so. That's what's happening. So, so should we have licensed IT people? Might not be a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess in absence of that, maybe it is. Maybe it is worthwhile for whether it's Google or Azure or AWS. I mean, a lot of people have been asking, why are so many of these showing up on AWS? How come we're not seeing them on other? And we have, I mean, we did we did a story earlier this year, an organization found exposures on Google. I know a while back there were, there were I mean, we're probably going back a couple of years. I, there were organizations that were sort of doing rather dumb things on Azure. I don't think it was maybe to the level of exposing classified Pentagon data, but I mean, which, the same type happened. of thing, like they, they're spinning up Azure, you know, uh, 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 instances on Azure and, you know, uh, leaving them insecure, uh, uh, malicious actors can take advantage of those, of those insecure instances. So, and, and I think at one point, uh, I believe it was Mark Rusinovich, Microsoft talked about how you know, we, we basically, we have to, you know, if you're not going to protect your environment and, and, and you're not going to do what you need to do to secure your instances, we're going to come in and, and close your account, suspend your account, take it over and shut it down. So, so maybe that is required in, in, in the absence of, of the proper education that's needed to prevent these types of things. I'll tell you what, Peter, you know what's coming. I mean, I don't know if this bill is going to get passed. I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of writing about this right now. But you wrote, you, you talked about, you know, agencies or, or uh, whoever coming in and, and, and regulating this stuff. There's currently a new version of the uh, Data Security and Breach Notification Act that was uh, introduced a couple of years ago by 
uh, Florida Senator Bill Nelson. And he introduced it in 2015, submitted another version of it last year. Now there's a new version of it. And it's basically, there's, there's some strict penalties in there for, for failing to notify the public or consumers of, of data breaches. And, and in particular, it's it coming right on the heels of Uber. If you willingly and intentionally conceal a data breach and you, you it's after, I guess, a 30-day deadline for notification, you could face, executives could face up to five years in prison. I don't think there's any chance this bill gets passed into law. Agreed. It has nothing to do with the current climate in Congress. I just think that that's not, that's not going to happen. But it's a step. Right. And it'll be interesting to see where the next sort of stage of this debate goes after this bill comes to the floor and, like I said, probably gets shot down. But where this discussion goes, because I mean, that, this is this is nowhere near actually requiring software developers to get licensed mm-hmm. to do code and, and some of the things that you've talked about. But the conversation is inching in that direction. And I think it's time for people to to really take a hard look at this and and say, you know, how do we before it gets to the stage of excessive regulation or, or whatever? Maybe it's not excessive. Maybe it's just common sense regulation. But before we get to that point, what do we need to do to prevent self-inflicted wounds and, and accidental breaches? So we'll see. We will. Peter, thank you for joining me in Chernobyl as usual. Always happy to be here as usual. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.